You know, you mentioned attachments at the top of the call. I know in my own business, it, it, it's made the process of both, you know, gaining clients, for instance, or losing them, not such a big deal. It's not like, oh my God, you know, I have failed. I, you know, you mentioned the suck before. It's like, therefore I suck. It's like, no. That was Ken Mosman, executive coach and founder of Serious Leadership Coaching, sharing how detachment has helped him separate his business successes and failures from his sense of identity and purpose. In this episode, Ken and I discuss the role that attachment plays in the relationship between your personal identity and your professional life, and examine the different voices we listen to that influence our decision-making. Let's say I'm looking at, I want to buy an EV, you know, just, I'm just totally making this up on the spot. I want to buy an EV and I know it's, you know, the one that I'm looking at is 10 grand more than, than what I have budget, you know, what, what I would have budgeted if I were looking at the numbers that are present right now. It's like, okay, you know, that, that's, that's real in order to buy that, in order to buy that car or truck, money is actually necessary. You know, money is actually necessary. And there's a, but there's a really important distinction to be made between, you know, what what are the realities here? You know, what are the economic realities versus what is my identity? You know, who is my true self? Because the other thing, the other piece I was gonna gonna mention that I had written down before, when you asked me the original question, there's the if then, there's a trap of if then thinking. The other question that I think is really worth asking and digging into over and over again is, okay, you know, if I remove all of this, if I remove the dollars, if I remove the outcomes, if I, you know, really strip it down, strip all the trappings down to nothing, then who am I? You know, who am I without the the million dollar year? Who am I without the EV? Who am I without XYZ? And that's not to say taking away the dreams, those are important. But to really look at that deep, deep image of self, you know, that, that stripped down identity, the core of who you are, you know, that, that no matter what else gets taken away, that is the thing that can never be taken away. That I think the more you know that. I think that's a very scary thought for it's anybody. terrifying. Yeah. Um, and wildly important. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. 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 If it's terrifying, you bet your butt it's important. <laughs> um. So as you were talking, what's the value of that? I, I, I have a sense of what the value is, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Because I know that, right, some people would say, yeah, this is a lot of esoteric, philosophical, find my inner self. What frequency am I playing on? Where's my energy? <laughs> am I either playing the law of assumption, law of attraction? I don't know. But anyways, come hell or high water, I'm getting to my million dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is so great. What, by, the, by the way, I hope it's clear that there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting your million dollars. But goodness, what, no. What, <laughs> Not what happens? What happens if we can start to become more self-aware 
of that ego voice that I, that that voice that ties the million and the things that go with the million to the identity what happens yeah i think there's a couple of things and one of them is finding that elemental core if you will you know finding the core of, of who you are getting to know that you know getting to know that self i'll say you know you mentioned attachments at the top of the call it has a curious way of freeing one from one attachment from one's attachments and to me anyway i know in my own business it, it it's made the process of both you know gaining clients for instance or losing them not such a big deal it's like okay you know it's like you know next and people who've been in sales for for a long time know that's so, okay okay next you know next it's not like oh my god you know i have failed i you know you mentioned the suck before it's like therefore i suck it's like no you know, it turns, I'm going to borrow from, <laughs> borrow from speakers I've heard in the past. It's like the failure then becomes an, an, an event. It's no longer a part of, of one's identity. And ego can get so wrapped up in attachment. So there's a degree, I'm going to say a very high degree of freedom in knowing who you really are. Being able to come home at the end, let's say, you, you know, you're a family person, being able to come home at the end of a day that, that where, where there was an expectation that, oh yeah, you know, I've got, I've got three sales that I'm, that I'm looking forward to closing today. And then in fact that you lost all three of them, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going home to a place where I, I still love the people that I'm with. They still love me. I still know who I am. I'm clear in my identity. I have a strong self image. That's not fluffy crap. No, that's, that's what we call abun abundance. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, absolutely. And it's really important to understand that these are not just airy fairy woo woo mindsets. There's a clarity about, nah, this is who I am. You know, I had a great weekend planned. I had a miserable week at work. Guess what? I get to have a great weekend. No, turn it back, you know, and then and, and the, the clock starts again on, on Monday morning and great. And by the way, I sleep very well on Sunday night. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely what, what we call the mindset part, right? What voice are you listening to? Are there ways for people to strengthen the voice awareness? I'm going to take one of my kids right now as an example. All right. Had some fantastic success first semester at college now has those voices though that they're not used to saying okay need to repeat it right you need to repeat it you need to show that it wasn't just a one-time you know fluke that that gpa is real right that, that those voices are now permeating how can any of us, I'm using that as an example, strengthen our ability to listen and follow the more, I'll call it abundant, detached, high intent, the, the healthier performance voices? Well, you're going to hate this or you're going to love it. And one of them is to remove the performance from the voice. Yeah, remove the performance from the voice because the performance piece is conditional. You know, it is that it is that if then piece, you know, the gold medal is the be all and end all. 
So what does that mean then? I, I think I follow you. But what does that mean when you say remove the performance component from the voice? I will give you an example. And I'm going to talk about if you, if you follow World Cup skiing or if you don't. And I'm going to use Michaela Schifrin as an example. Michaela had an absolutely disastrous Olympics, you know, which I think was just last year, the Beijing Winter Games. I just couldn't get her feet under her. You know, and even in and even in in some of the interviews, you could just see her wrestling with you know what is going on here, and and including if I remember some of the interviews, even she said, I, you know, I'm questioning everything right now. I'm questioning everything. And then if we look at her performance this year, you know, she's won a ridiculous amount of races. I can't see anyone touching her in terms of in terms of winning the overall World Cup. She just passed Lindsey Vonn's record for the most wins for a female World Cup ski racer, having a year that is absolutely amazing. Now, it's a safe bet that she is not, and she even said at one point, you know, I'm not even thinking about this record. You know, and she talked about how much fun she was having. Again, I'm not in her head, so this is all projection, but it certainly looks from the outside like there's a recognition that who she is doesn't matter whether she wins or loses, which, by the way, makes her the greatest, <laughs> perhaps, the, certainly up until this, uh, up till this point, she's, she's going to, she's only got, they got, the last I looked, she only had three wins to pass Stenmark's all-time record, Ingmar Stenmark's all-time record. She is poised to become, given her age, also, she's poised to become the winningest alpine ski racer ever, ever. Big shift there. If she had gotten, if she had fallen down that rabbit hole of who am I without a, without an uh, an Olympic gold medal, without winning one in the, at the Beijing Games, you know, game over. Forget it. Yeah, I would I would equate that too. It's a perfect analogy for a top sales professional who goes into a big meeting and subconsciously or maybe even a little bit consciously, they tie their identity to the success of the meeting. Right. Right. They had to work hard for the meeting. Right. They had to prep a lot for the meeting. They understand because maybe they're meeting with a upper executive in a C-suite. They may have little uh, room for error. Right. And so then it all becomes like, okay, this is my moment. This is what I've been waiting for, right? This is what's going to show or define my ability to bring in the big one, right? It, this is, all these thoughts start to permeate. And then all of a sudden right now you're focused on A, the result, and B, you've tied your identity to it. Right. And who walks into the meeting to actually run the show? You know, is it that performative teenager? who's got to prove something? Is it someone who's like, oh, please love me, please love me, please love me? Now, again, really important to know. Or is it, you know, and this is the other place I was, I was going to, this is where the who am I comes in. Or is it, is it going to be, I, I use the, this language, you know, is it going to be the conscious, mature, present adult who's able to meet the moment? You know, another key piece is who's able to meet the moment, to meet the objections or questions that are coming from that CEO without getting wrapped up in, you know, without, without getting 
wrapped around the axles like oh my god how am i doing you know do they like me you know <laughs> and they still might not get the sale even if they show up uh, even if they show up that way but they will will have been able to walk away knowing no nah, i met the moment maybe we, we just weren't a match you know or i met the moment and great again it comes back to next it comes it, it really does come back to to next using your ski analogy my my takeaway is that she did. She put all that pressure on herself to climb that one mountain peak, which was the gold, tied a bit of her identity to it because of her successes and her talent and how hard she's worked. And then because of that, part of that at least was it didn't work out. And then after the fact, she was able to go back to more of enjoyment of the sport, more focus probably because of it. Um, I mean, that's just my gut, but yeah, who knows? It would be fascinating to spend a week or two in her head, though, um, yeah. <laughs> to find to find out what what really went right. And that was just a small piece of it. And if I, and if I look at my child who's going through this right now, you know, my question to to them was, why do you have to repeat it? You know, where is the pressure coming from? Who says you need to do X? And they didn't really have an answer, but. I could tell that it got them to start to think because that's just putting pressure and putting all the focus and all the eggs in the basket toward the results versus the process that you got to work through. Right. You brought up at the point that I was going to make because also as an adolescent, even as a late adolescent, there's still the prefrontal cortex, you know, it ain't all the way there yet. <laughs> And as smart as as someone may be, you know, to have gotten into this school or that school or the other school, there's the cognitive maturity and the cognitive sophistication, but there isn't that level of maturity and emotional sophistication that's able to look down the road, you know, two years, four years, eight years, 10 years, and ask the question like, you know, Really? You mean if I get a B, it's not going to flush my whole life down the toilet? That's another key piece. And that's another reason why it's why it's kind of important to know who's driving the bus. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think some of us have a couple drivers that are fighting for control. Oh, always, almost always. Almost <laughs> always. Yeah. So I like this path we went on with the voices because I just know that it's so real as high performers in anything, trying to be self-aware, right, of what are the voices saying to you? And then I love how you simplified it, which is just kindly interview them. Why, why do you think that way? What happens if you do? What happens if you don't? Is that the only path? What's the other alternatives, right? It's just calmly learning to almost interview the voice with inside you. Yeah. Inside. And you asked how to how to how to how to do that, and the the unfortunate answer is the same as any any skill or awareness. It's going to take practice, practice, and more practice. Yeah, yeah. Anything you would add to the discussion? I'll add one piece. I'll add one piece, and that is that for those who are driven by, so there's nothing wrong with tough love. I want to be really clear about this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with tough love. As long as it is really love, 
because oftentimes, and I see this time and time again, particularly with, with high performers or are highly driven people is they, they've got the tough part down to a T and after, you know, you, well, can that, you know, over the years, how I think it's important to ask over the years, how sustainable is that? And it's also really important to, to notice, am I actually now defaulting to the tough and the love is gone? You know, it's now just plain tough. And, and when it becomes just plain tough, it becomes punitive. Are you saying within themselves? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So being tough on themselves and, and continuing being the tough on themselves and Talk to me a little bit about that punitive piece. Yeah, there's a toughness that says, you know, get up, get up, dust yourself off, go back in there and, and show them what you got. You know, that's that, nothing wrong with that. That's, that, that's great. And uh, it's important because that can be from a really big hearted, open hearted, open hearted place. You know, that, that's, that's really got love in there. Hey, I see your potential. You know, I know there's more here that wasn't all you wanted it to be. You know, boom, 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 boom. Where it it's like someone it's like someone rebounding, right? Where they're saying, "Hey, look, I got to stay at this. I've done this before. I've rebounded before. All right, I got to I got to get back in the game. Uh, um, I know that I can make this happen." So there's a positive piece to that resilience. Yeah, there's a there, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, there's a positive piece to that resilience, and it's sustainable. And you can sit back and and again sit back and notice. Okay, you know. That's true. Where it starts to become punitive is where the the language changes. You idiot. What the blank is wrong with you? You you know, you had that in the palm of your hands and you screwed up. You know, what gives you the right? Who in God's name do you think or other language usually, you know, who do you think, you know, who do you think you are when that when that belittling voice comes in? Make no mistake about it. That is no longer tough love. At that point, you're just beating yourself up. You know, you're just beating. So the, the love has been stripped away. That might work once or twice, if that many times. But if you're constantly belittling yourself, then you're going to start to believe what that voice is saying. And it was false to begin with, and it's going to continue to be false. Two things. First one is what lends itself? What, what happens typically for someone to go to punitive? And then two, if there's anything they can do to catch the punitive, what can they do to try to alter it? and shift it back? So it's a two-part question. Well, again, I think it's something that perhaps not all of us do, but an awful lot of us do. I lead this work. I take people through this all the time. And, you know, if I'm tired, if I've had a long, uh, a, a long week, then I can, I can, I can hear those voices starting to show up, you know, to show up in, in my own head. So plenty of practice. So it could be, it could be history. It could, you know, it could come from teachers. Sometimes it's, I think it simply develops, you know, and those of us who have children have oftentimes hear our kids, things come out of their mouth. And it's like, you know, I never talked to them that way. Where did that come from? Oh, you said it. I mean, yeah. there, there have been times I have four kids and every now and then something will come out of one of their mouths and I'll be like, where did they pick that up from? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's everywhere, you know, it's out in the culture, it's everywhere. As far as dealing with those voices, 
any voice that shows up, you know, think of it as, as a four-year-old kind of, you know, yanking at the hem of your pants. And that would be a really small four-year-old, probably just yank it on your pant leg. That if you don't let it, if you don't pay it attention, instead of going away, it just gets louder and louder and louder. And so this is a discipline, by the way, this is a discipline to be able to listen to those voices too. It's like, but listen to them with a level of detachment, you know, curiosity, absolutely, but also a level of detachment. Oh, really? Is that what you think of me? Well, that's fascinating. What else do you have to say? Hmm. Oh, yeah. You said something earlier that it feels like it fits here and it may not be the same version, but it's almost like you're saying, okay, that's my 14 year old version of myself. And am I at this point in my life going to listen to the fears and the insecurities of the 14 year old version of me? Or you could even probably say like the six year old version too, right? Cause you said that earlier and that, and that caught me. I had a visual for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really useful by the way, having some sort of a visual for it. That's, that's really useful. And oftentimes if we really listen to them, there's some sort of a real concern. You know, there's some sort of a real concern. You know, there is that, that tiny percentage of truth that's underneath the message. And sometimes the truth is, is just something like, we didn't get that sale. No, we didn't get that sale. Yeah. Well, we both know that quite often it doesn't end that way. It's, we didn't get the sale. I screwed up. I didn't do this. The team effed up. They didn't do that, right? It's more of like this this trying to seek, you know, like um, punitively, like what caused the damage and then have that feeling or emotion of just, right, of frustration. And, and, and you know, I don't, I'm not doing a good job explaining it, but well, you're... I, know, I know for most it just doesn't end up. <laughs> Oh, we didn't get the sale. <laughs> right. And, and doing those, and I think doing those, doing those post-mortems is, it's really important for the sake of learning. And it's important to separate fact-finding missions from blame-assigning missions. Blame is a great way of dumping responsibility on someone else. Whereas fact finding is like, okay, you know, let's find out where the, cause, cause chances are good. If there's, if there's more than one person, there gets to be shared responsibility there. And I mean, shared responsibility in terms of, oh, okay. What's mine to own here? What is mine to own? What is yours to own? Let's have some factual conversation about this. You know, if there are patterns that are showing up, then those are really important to notice yeah, I can't say enough about how, how important that is. And all of these things, again, they come back to, you know, are they being approached as, oh, you know, this is an adult function I'm taking on here, or is this an angry teenager that, who's, leading, who's leading the charge? I like the ability for someone to understand what voice is driving that bus, you know, and then the analogies that you've given. So if, um, if someone in our audience wants to connect with you or wants to learn more? Is there something you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank, thank, thanks for asking. Well, my, my website, uh, which is my name.com, kenmossman.com. Uh, you can come by there and see what I've got going on. If you're interested in the, in the, in the different kind of parts work that I do here, particularly if you're a man, there's a, there's a program that I run called the integrated adult. It's actually called the I am 
It's called I am, which used to stand for integrated adult man. And that's all fancy language jargon for, you know, looking at all of these different parts, find out who's leading the charge, who's in, who's in charge when, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a, that's a course that I offer a couple of times a year. Um, and the information on that is on my website. And if you're just curious, come on by, see what I got going on. I think that's impressive. I mean, as men, you know, we all have pressures, women, men, everybody, right? Of the different roles that we play and how do they integrate? Do they integrate, right? Is there such a thing as balance, right? How do the voices respond within us? How do we beat ourselves up in each role or how do we support ourselves as a, a healthy way in each role? You bet. Yeah. You, yeah. Very interesting. Important. Hugely important. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. So everybody can go to your website and you've got information on your website regarding all of that. Yep. And you do one-on-one -on -one coaching group stuff. Yeah. One-on-one -on -one coaching, the I am course that I mentioned. And, um, and then there's a graduate, there's, there's graduate level programs that happen after that. So a, a, yeah. a robust collection. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know, I know from my interactions with you, you're very inviting, you're very engaging. So I, you know, I, I would tell my audience if that's, if that's something of interest, please reach out to Ken. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was Ken Mosman, executive coach and founder of Cirrus Leadership Coaching. My discussion with Ken on removing your sense of identity from your professional life provides insight into how we can build a healthier relationship with ourselves. Ken's expertise around identity and personal fulfillment is backed up by years of experience working with and coaching his clients. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.